Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Lookout Mountain United Methodist Church. We pray that this sermon will engage your mind and that God's Spirit will engage your heart. We also want to invite you to come worship with us on the mountain every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Whether you live close by, have come to visit the Chattanooga area, or just listening online, there is a place for you at Lookout Mountain. Now may God bless you as you hear the word proclaimed. Yesterday, our little family, after coming back from a trip to Texas, took a little trip up to Athens, Tennessee for my sister-in-law's high school graduation. And we were uh, driving up uh, Highway 11 uh, as we were headed afterwards to go eat lunch with her and her family. And about every 10 driveways or roads, there was traffic on Saturday afternoon out on Highway 11. And, And come to find out, there was a yard sale here and then one block down, another yard sale. Anybody else encounter these yard sales? Or what do we what do we call it? What do they call it this week? Antique Alley, Antique Alley right? And so we're on our way trying to make good time, and people are lined up on the roads, pulling in to no, go and buy people's junk, right? Just waiting in line to look at people's leftovers. Um, at least that's how it felt when I was trying to go. Is like, you don't need this junk anyways, folks. Get out of the way. But uh, as I was driving by, I was thinking about how you go to these places and you find beautiful antiques. I'm sure there's, there's plenty of those. Um, but if these people do their yard sales like I do mine, it is mostly um, chargers to cell phones that you threw away 10 years ago. Um, extension cords that don't have all their prongs anymore. And... And stuff like that. And then, if you're lucky, you come across like these uh, these things that people make. And around here, you can find the Alabama University of Alabama stuff, or the Georgia stuff, or the Tennessee stuff. And it's people that have made it, and they'll make little T-shirts or teddy bears or or clocks. Um, But none of it's licensed through the school. They don't have the the actual authority to. To do that, it's all just kind of people just taking the logo they found and, and know, and they're going to draw it themselves. And, and so it's kind of like knockoff t-shirts, and sometimes the, the big Alabama A is, is a little more tilted than it needs to be. And, and maybe Georgia is spelled with two R's on the little teddy bear's heart or, or something like that. And you, you get these knockoff versions where you can tell this is not the, the real thing. This is, this is somebody's kind of making this by hand somewhere in the back of their house. Um, you find kind of these knockoff college apparel stuff. And it made me think about all these knockoffs that we can find. And I was thinking about the times that I've gone to really big cities. And you don't see it down here in Chattanooga, but you go and you find people peddling the little knockoff brand purses or watches. You know, you can buy a Rolex for like $4. You know, you can get you a nice um, coochie purse, you know, something like that. You can get, from a distance, they look great, you know, no one would tell, but as you get, if you pick it up, you can see that something's misspelled and the stitching's not quite right, and you know that if you were to put any kind of test to it, it probably wouldn't hold up. But it's cheap, 
And if you want to have something that looks really nice and fits in with the style and you only want to spend a couple of dollars, that's the way to go. Or, or you can go to one of the big box stores and you can buy a giant TV, you know, as big as my arms will stretch for just, you know, a couple hundred dollars when it used to cost a thousand. But it's big, it's just not a, a great TV usually. Things are going to be blurry on it. Things aren't going to show up. It's, it's kind of this, we want something really good, but we also want something that's like available now and within our budget. And so we end up with these knockoff things, right? Um, I've got several of these knockoff versions of all kinds of stuff in my house. Of I couldn't quite get the good thing I wanted, but I got something that looked pretty close at the price I wanted or at the time that I wanted. And we do this all the time. We do it with our food, right? We want fast food. So you go and you get kind of a, a knockoff version of a real hamburger from McDonald's. Because it's kind of like a hamburger. It kind of has that shape. It kind of looks like it. As long as you don't worry about what it tastes like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all right. And we have this in us of this trying to find what's easy, what's available, What's right here within our grasp, even though what we really want is a little harder to come by. And sometimes this happens on really important stuff too. Sometimes it happens in matters of things like love or meaning or fulfillment or acceptance some of these big intangible things that we all long for, that we all want in our lives, but seem a little hard to come by. And so we try to find the knockoff version of joy and we take some immediate happiness or the knockoff version of peace. And so we find something that just makes us feel good about ourselves for a little bit. When we take the shortcut, when we get this low-hanging fruit for what really matters in our lives, there's a name for it in the church. It's called idolatry. And it's when we take our ultimate good, our ultimate source, and we put something in God's place. Something to stand in for God that's a lot more accessible, a lot easier to come by. And it's something that humans have done throughout history. Go back into any culture, into any people, no matter how far back you go and on what continent you're on, you will see that people have sought out meaning. People have sought out protection. People have sought out abundance. They've been seeking things, and to do so, they've reached out to find whatever it is that might give them a grasp on it. And so you can find idols in all sorts of cultures. Big things carved out of huge rocks and small things carved out of wood and, and things cast in gold or silver. In every culture they have these idols where people have been longing for something that they just couldn't find. And so they took hold of what they could find. And we can even read about it through all of Scripture. And this morning I want to read a, a, a story about this, about Paul. And Paul was in the city of Athens. 
And the city of Athens had lots of these little idols. And they had built temples for all of them. And everywhere you looked, there were temples. All of, it looks like we do with churches now, where you got two on each corner. And you can choose whichever flavor you need that week. Well, that's how Athens was with their temples. And so Paul is going to Athens to share the story of Jesus. And what he finds is people are desperately seeking something. They have all sorts of idols for whatever it is they are missing in their life. And in Acts chapter 17, Paul gets up in front of them in a large area called the Areopagus. It's a place where all the philosophers and debaters and anybody who had something to say, this is where you went to. You didn't get on Facebook and post it back then. You went to this place and said it. And then people made comments about it and you unliked them and you didn't be their friend anymore or you listened. And so in Acts chapter 17, verse 22, we read this. Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, I will proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it. He who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all the nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of their places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring." Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So this is Paul's speech to this idolatrous people. And the one thing that really sticks out to me is how gracious Paul is to them. He starts off by complimenting them on how religious they are. He sees all of their idols to all of these things and instead of shouting at them and threatening them with fire and brimstone, he says, I can tell y'all are a religious people. Y'all are seekers. And then he quotes their poets back to them. He sees within their own culture 
some good that he can point towards the truth that he is trying to preach to them. Paul is not out there refuting their religions. Instead, he is redirecting them towards the truth. But today's sermon is not about how we are to evangelize others. This isn't a sermon on evangelism, it's a sermon on idolatry. So let us not put ourselves in Paul's place when we hear this story. Let us think of ourselves as the Athenians, as those who have idols. Because it's pretty easy to have a good intention to be a seeker of something good, but to stop short and settle for what you find first. I think that we all have these places, these idols, these things that are good and things that we have been seeking for and we take hold of them because they are here and they are right in front of us. And so when we read this story and we hear Paul's speech, we hear him talk about these idols of gold and silver and stone, and we think, no, that's not us. We know that there's nothing powerful about gold or silver or stone. Statues made from those things to us seem just superstitious. What does this have to do with us? How could we be like the Athenians? We agree. We ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. We would never let some piece of gold or silver or stone stand in God's place, right? But are there some things that are imagined by mortals, things that are man-made that we might? Things like wealth or honor, our reputation, things like our family or our country, things like our church or our denomination. What idols do we hold on today? What things have we found here that we've taken hold of and grasped onto because they were right in front of us and they seemed to be what we were looking for? These are our idols. And to call them idols, I don't mean to say that they're bad. I know a lot of your families, they're not bad. Your families are good. Your nation is good. Our church is good. There is goodness in all of these things. Otherwise, we wouldn't have taken the time to grab hold of them, to put our trust in them, to care about them. It is the goodness that's in them that drew us to them in the first place. Paul didn't say that gold and silver and stone were bad. He just said that we shouldn't confuse them with their creator. Everything you set up as an idol, you do because it's good. 
You do because your family's good or your nation's good or, or wealth is good. These things meet some need that we have. Our families offer us love and protection. They give us a sense of belonging. Our nation gives us a sense of pride. It gives us a community that we can rally together, that we can find support when we need it and protection when it's needed. Our wealth can provide for us. It can allow us to do good for others. Our church is the place where we find good teaching, hopefully. It's a place where our friends gather together. It's a place where we can reach out and do God's work from here. These are all good things. And yet somehow, it's easy to let them turn into idols. Because God remains unknown. God seems far away. We have that unknown part of God. And maybe it's because we don't spend enough time with God. We don't spend enough time reading scripture or, or praying. We listen to too many other voices about who we are and what we should do and what really matters. Something is keeping us from knowing God, from having that real connection to God. It seems like so much work. And so we settle for the idols, for the things that should have just been pointing us to God. We stop right there. These small representations of what is good, we treat them as if they are the good in and of itself. So there's this good that's in all these idols. But there is not life in the idols. They are the treatments for what ails us. But they aren't the cure. See, there's good in your family, in your church, in your nation. But none of those things can bring forth life any more than gold or silver or stone could bring forth life. These are just the knockoff versions of what is the truest good. God is life, and in God we live and move and have our being. If you try to find your true being, your true self, if you try to find meaning and acceptance and fulfillment, in anything else, it's going to fail. Your family can't do it. Your wealth can't do it. Your denomination can't do it. These are all things that were made by man. And so, like stones, they crumble. And like gold, they melt. They can't endure all of the trials of life. They can't see you through to the end. We are God's children. God is the source of our life. And our life is only protected and only renewed and only fulfilled from that true source. If you try to fill it up from anything else, it will never work. All you end up with is a copy of a copy of a copy. And it's never as good as the source. 
you'll always find it wanting. Like the woman who came to the well for water day after day after day. And Jesus said, I can give you water and you will never thirst again. These idols leave us thirsty again and again. They might take care of us in a moment, but then the next day, once again, we have to come back to the well. But God is the source of our life. It's a little bit steeper of a climb. It's not as quick and fast and available all the time as some of these idols. But there's a difference. See, God at times feels so far, so unknown to us. But the good news is through Jesus Christ, God has come near. That was his message. He began at the very beginning of his ministry. What did Jesus say? But the kingdom of God has come near. It is at hand. Through Jesus, we have access to God. We are drawn close to God. We can reach out, grasping and take hold of God to find whatever that longing is within us. The time for idols is over. We have to be willing to let them go. If, if we're too busy holding on to what is right here, to what is so close to us, we'll never be able to reach out and take hold of the fullness that God offers to us. We have to be willing to put God first. To let go of these knockoff versions of love and acceptance and fulfillment. If we're not willing to do that, then these things remain idols. And the goodness that they offer is incomplete because it doesn't point to what is truly good. It doesn't lead us from good to the best. These idols, they are easy to reach. We can find them everywhere. And some of them seem so good. But we don't have to hold on to them. It doesn't mean that they will all go away. The choice that we make is not to abandon everything and live a life of nothingness so that we can follow God. It is simply a matter of, are we willing to open our hands and simply receive from God what we need? Are we willing to let go of the things we have claimed for ourselves and trust that God will give us all we need? Christ has come so that we might take hold of him. So that we might reach out and grasp for what seemed unknowable. We can take hold of life with God. And when we take hold of Christ, we take hold of the life that is truly life. Thanks be to God. Amen.